0: The views and opinions expressed during Eye on the Triangle do not represent WKNC or NC State student media. Your dial is currently tuned to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1 FM HD1 Raleigh. Thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to WKNC's public affairs program, Eye on the Triangle. Eye on the Triangle is your source for local news, reviews, and interviews. My name is Ennis Wells, and today we'll be discussing the potential rezoning of Shaw University and the opposition that has sprung up against it. Shaw University, located in downtown Raleigh, is the South's oldest HBCU, Historically Black University. It's accredited for being home to the country's first building of higher education for African-American women and for being the birthplace of the SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, which was a huge part of the 1960s civil rights movement. Also, since we are on the radio, I wanted to note that Shaw University is also the first black college to have its own radio station. This area and these places of rich history are what many of those in opposition to the new rezoning proposal worry will be lost if the historical district continues to shrink. I am joined today by the co-founder of the Wake County Housing Justice Coalition, Wanda Gilbert Coker, to discuss this further ahead of the Raleigh City Council vote on June 20th. Hello, Wanda. How are you doing today?
1: Hi, Ennis. I am doing well. It's a beautiful day in the rich capitalistic city of Raleigh. Um, but I'm grateful to be here to discuss the Shaw redevelopment plan and um its um its cultural history and why we are trying to save that history.
0: Glad to have you. Thank you. Before we talk about the Shaw, can you give our listeners a little background on you and your work?
1: Sure. Thank you. Well, first of all, I've been here in Raleigh. Ooh, um, over thirty years, um, and uh, when I came here to Raleigh, um, I, 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 of course, I lived here as a resident, but because I come from a family that participate or served in the community. Uh, it was in my DNA to do the same here, so as soon as I got here, I um began to serve um in the community, and I have rich leaders in front of me um that paved the way like miss Murray uh, miss octavia um. Uh, and uh, others that I saw doing the work in the community and going to meetings and listening to them about what was happening in our community. And I was like, oh, wow, I have to stay involved, get involved, um, just like I did. I saw my grandma and aunties and them do. So by doing so, I joined different organizations. And as I got older, I had to take some time away for the family. And um, as life progressed, I found myself homeless, found myself sleeping in a car, found myself sleeping in a car, not only that with a teenager. And so I had, need, had a desperate need for housing. And as I moved back to Raleigh, I saw that, hold up, wait a minute, this is not the same type of housing that I was looking that was available before. There was not any affordable or low-income housing. If there was, it was a long wait Um, and it really hit me hard and while I was homeless I prayed that Lord let this not be in vain so that's how I got back into the housing justice work because what I found there was not a housing justice organization that helped people with um, finding justice there were organizations that spoke about housing but not about housing justice. So we formed along with a few other co-founders like Wanda Hunter, um, Jasmine Chowes, who um, has moved on to um, a bigger a bigger project, um, and um, other um, members from the community came along. A few from other organizations. And of course, one of the first things we tackled was gentrification. And then from there was the housing bond. And so again, it was Wake County Housing Justice Coalition that came out of that. And from there, we realized that we needed to save noise, save naturally occurring affordable housing, because we saw the city tearing down their own housing, but yet they had a cry for middle missing. And they also were, had a list of low-income housing that they were going to tear down, and public housing. So from that fight, I realized that was a, a, a statewide and a national fight, um, the same day we were working with folks in New York and other parts of the state. Uh, we start, I started working with the NC Block, and that is where I um, um, found the um, North Carolina Housing Justice for Black and Disenfranchised Lives. And in both organizations, we focus primarily on helping those Helping low-income families, preserving naturally occurring affordable housing, fighting for thirty percent and below, thirty percent and below of the AMI Um, housing. That's an income thirty percent and below for people like that work at McDonald's, the the teachers' aid, and folks like that. Housing for them, rent for them at thirty percent and below, Um, and also public housing. People like to have a negative connotation on public housing. There's no negative connotation only for when the um, owners or the um, of the state or the city, whoever owns it, does not take care of it. Um, And so those are our missions. We have others, but um, part of that as well is to save black land um, and also find repair those issues that how black land was taken away from the community members. And that's how Save Our... Well, that's how Shaw came about. Uh, Save Our Shaw was not in existence. We were already in the fight of around College Park, South Park, um, Dorothy Yuditz, areas around Shaw already, Prince Hall. Prince Hall was at the top of the list anyway of what we were doing. And we wanted to keep those protections and so when I saw the redevelopment request, which is the rezoning request is what you all refer to it, I got involved in the fight. So that is what I do. And that is how a little bit how we got involved with the Shaw redevelopment plan.
0: Mm hmm. So this has been a lifelong fight for you.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: So you spoke a little bit about getting into the Shaw University fight. Um, Can you fill us in a little more about Shaw University and this presidential rezoning? And you mentioned Price Hall.
1: Yeah. Well, see, um, as I said before, um, we um, had a focus on the redevelopment or them wanting to remove the protections that exist on land around Prince Hall, which is near Shaw already. Um, as a um, organization along with Livable Raleigh and some of our other uh, partners um, in the work that we do. We were watching those things and when we saw that um, they wanted to remove the protections, the historic protections from the land on Shaw, that sent off a red light because you can do redevelopment, you can still d- um, um, as an institution, as a HBCU, there are many things they can still do to make it an awesome um, school, to make it an awesome university, uh, to enhance the community, to make it a great, safe place, sustainable place for the students without removing the historic preservation. Um, and it's there for a reason. Um, but show has a mindset of turning it into more a um, um, capitalistic, um, gentrified opportunity for developers, primarily white developers, regardless if they want to lease the land, regardless if they want to sell the land, it will not benefit the community. It will not benefit the students. It will not benefit those um, historical, um, historical uh, things that are already in place, and it's it would also be a disgrace to the ancestors who have put their blood, sweat, and tears to make Shaw what it is.
0: Mm-hmm. I read some about the height is a part of it. They want to increase the number of um, stories you can have on buildings.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Density. Um, you know, um, I don't know if you saw the story a while back in Florida where that building come, came falling down. It was like 40 plus stories and it was just maddening and it was scary. And it was like, uh, it still takes my breath away to think about it. And it really takes my breath away to think about, um, students in, in, in something like that for density. Um, I'm not against density in certain areas where it um, were safe, where there's a fire company and a fire truck that could get to the people fast enough. And where if there is a problem, it will not take down and damage and uh, put other community members in buildings and such in um, in harm's way. Um, putting a very high, tall, 30, 40-plus building in, um, in, um, in, on, on Shaw's small campus not only will put um, people in danger, but also will um, destroy the land that is there. It will cause um, things to shift. Um, I'm not an environmentalist. I am pro-environmental. I believe in climate change, most definitely. But some things are just common sense. If you put something too heavy on something, it's going to shift. And we all know that that live in Southeast Raleigh and have um, experienced the um, rains in Southeast Raleigh, we know that it floods there. It floods bad. It floods so bad. Sometimes you have to take detours in those areas, and the rain, um, and the rain goes downward, um, and towards Shaw, towards Martin Luther King, towards Person Street. So putting uh and so that means that soil is already in a situation and more easier to shift. So putting uh, a a large tall building there would be would benefit who Again, like I said, I know who it will not benefit. So who are they thinking about again It's the developers and that's where the city of raleigh has been their mindset has been for so long Not about the people but about these developers who often don't live here Or if they do live here, it's about what's best for them and not what's best for the taxpayers we're taxpayers as well, so density can um, basic, basically density is dangerous in many areas. So when I see them talking about density, D D for density, D for dangerous. So it's it's not always necessary. And for Shaw, for them to be looking at um dorms, you need the students first to put them in the dorms. Uh, by my understanding, they're um. They had a low rate um, of student enrollment. So, um, the dorms they have now they can't fill. So, increasing density for who? And what planning on bringing strangers to um, stay in, in these rooms with these strangers, stay in the buildings with the students? The students are going to stay with strangers. And how does that work? How does that I drop my young. 17, 18-year-old child from a rural county off um, and not knowing that they're going to share a building, a space with um, a stranger, a a 50-year-old, maybe, we don't know, could be a possible Jeffrey Dahmer, not to disrespect anyone, but things happen in life. It could be a a predator that um, no one has had the opportunity to vet, but Instead of it being about the students again, it's not. It's about money. And money doesn't always keep people safe.
0: So what would you say the administration's reasons for this proposal are?
1: I think this particular administration, this, per- per- this particular um, president and trustee board um their goals are, again, they see the um, financial um, wealth opportunities for themselves. Um, I remember one meeting. Um, uh, she's a past senator from the state of North Carolina, um, 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 Yvonne Holly. She's a retired state senator. She suggested that, um, you know, maybe the um, school could uh, put a Jamaican restaurant on the campus when a Jamaican restaurant is like three miles from the school. Why would we put another one when there's one, not there's one three miles, then there's another one about a half a mile from that? and they're they're doing what they can as a black business to to you know stay ahead to stay out of the red so Why would we put one on campus when we don't know who, if you know, if it's going to stay out of the red? Plus, who would get to be employed there? Shaw has never ever said that any of these businesses that they're putting on campus, such as the grocery store, Publix, or, say if it's a CVS. Now, mind you, they did mention a CVS in one of the meetings, but did they not just close a CVS downtown Raleigh? So a CVS chose you know, decided to close, why would they want to reopen again? Okay, some of these things just don't make sense that they're saying. That's what one of the attorneys said. Um, so it's all about money, but it many of the, the people that are at the table making the decisions did not include the community. Now, they said they included stakeholders. And if you look at their words, if you look at their paperwork, when they say stakeholders, a stakeholder is defined as someone that basically they want at the table like someone from downtown raleigh alliance or um a particular business owner or ba- basically a yes person but it doesn't always include um community members i know that i'm not, i was not considered a stakeholder and i was not invited to those stakeholder meetings so but um holly invested in Shaw, i have family members that graduated from Shaw. i have family members who worked at Shaw. um i've even volunteered at Shaw for in in past years um so but you know it, it's a choice that they have of deciding who's worthy to be at their table so i, I know those that that's what helped hurt them um with the community engagement and so that's that is what's hurting them to determine what's best for um shaw university
0: Mm -hmm. and who else is a part of this opposition who do you usually see when you are at city council or elsewhere
1: Well, when I saw that um, they were going to start the redevelopment, and let me just explain redevelopment for a second here. Um, I know I hear a lot of people say it's a rezoning. Yes, it's rezoning, but it's also a a redevelopment plan. With a redevelopment plan, this also means that Shaw or anyone who files a redevelopment plan with the planning department, they're eligible to apply for funding from the community development grants um, and other grants um, from the city, from the state, federal government grants. Um, And these grants, they don't have to pay back. And these grants can... Um, go into the millions. I mean, they can uh, as low as twenty thousand, and they can be as much as twenty million. Um, and these grants, of course, are our tax dollars. And so that, that, those that's part of the issue of them not wanting people like myself or other voters or other people from the community. At the table to decide, Shaw refuses to produce a master plan. Now, we have seen um, um, a company, architect company, or um, other um, drawings um, by others um, that do this work, other planning um, organizations, produce uh, specs. And that looked like it should be part of a master plan. I've been doing this long enough. I'm not a planner. I'm not on the planning commission. I would say I'm a lay planner. Um, But um, we can see that those things are usually part of the master plan, these specs that we're looking at. But they refuse to give the community, the same community that they're going to want all these Tax dollars from a master plan to let us know what they want to do with this redevelopment plan. So, when I saw that they were um, scheduling this, I contacted Save Shaw um, Friends of Shaw. That's what they were called Friends of Shaw, which was Keisha Monk. um and Then later, I met her husband, Eugene Myrick. And, of course, Livable Raleigh was there. I'm also a founding member of Livable Raleigh. Um, and I contacted them as well. I put it on Facebook. And I was like, wakey, wakey up. Wake up, shall bears. I didn't know exactly who was going to answer. But that's, like I said, I met Keisha. And from there, we had a conversation that I said, hey, you know, they are um, putting this on the, on the schedule, the planning commission, I'm mean, at planning department to go to the planning commission for the planning commission to vote. Um, and um, also they're going to have community engagement meetings. Um, you all need to pay attention. I know I am because y'all have been silent for a long time around issues that have been going on right there around them, such as Prince Hall, South Park, many other issues, the flooding that was going on right there, uh, you know, um, in their, um, um, near the campus. So we had not heard from um, friends of Shaw for a very long time. So I reached out to them. And from there, that's where Save Our Shaw, um, Keisha and them created Save Our Shaw and other um, community members.
0: I also read that some of the Muslim community in Raleigh isn't intertwined with all of this.
1: Yeah, and so from there, that is exactly what I was going to say. From that, from the redevelopment, um, um, looking at the specs, we saw, wait a minute, but like to me, they're going to bulldoze down that building over there in the corner. Now, if they're going to bulldoze down that building, what's going to happen to the existing mosque in there? And from there... That is where we started, um, reaching out to the Muslim community. I was already involved with um, the Muslim community with the Western BRT situation, where they're planning to tear down uh, Muslim and immigrant businesses um, for the Western BRT. So I already had a connection and have worked with them on that um, um, planning issue, so I reached out to the same one, which went on with Zainab Balok, and um, and from there we reached out. We found out about Care C A I R and their lawyer, on uh, Nigel Edwards, and um, from there they got on it, and we started having conversations in the Muslim community. Now we're working with um, um, a greater group, larger group and being in um, communications with them um, about their rights um, and how their civil rights and human rights have also been violated. And so we're also trying to find a lawyer um, that can help them because it it goes beyond just them not having somewhere to pray. It's it's about um, them, um, their rights and being seen as people, and those things not taken away again, as I mentioned before, you know, some of the same things that are happening in Florida are happening right in Raleigh. So um, we are definitely in this fight, regardless of what happens next Tuesday. We have been in this fight to with the immigrant community, Muslim community. Um, fight for our rights, fight for democracy, fight for liberation, um, fight for free speech. Um, and, um, yeah, so they're most definitely with their friends of ours and family of ours. Um, when we're fighting for um, uh, another community, another population, we're truly fighting for ourselves.
0: Okay. And before we talk some more about city council, I wanted to ask, as someone who's still very new to Raleigh and a student um, what can you say about the larger gentrification happening across Raleigh? Are there developing areas or trends you're noticing?
1: Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, see, years ago, years and years ago, I created this hashtag and didn't have the funding to create a nonprofit or a group or whatever. And this was before Wake County Housing Justice Coalition. But you know, I had it kind of trending a little bit. Was save our Black community. Um, And because that is when I saw the city of Raleigh, the housing um, department, which was led then by Larry Jarvis. And um, I heard Miss Octavia Rainey talk about how he was moving the census tracts to create a, a certain demographic to get federal funding to start building these houses in our um, community, um, I mean, in their community, well, our community, but specifically College Park. And uh, we saw College Park, we saw Idlewild, South Park. And the, we will go to the meetings and hear the city say, oh, we're going to revitalize, revitalize. And we got excited over by Transfer Hall. Um, company, they said they were going to revitalize it and, you know, bring in Black businesses and, you know, the ones that they had defunded, those Black businesses, they were going to, you know, bring them back and give them opportunities. And, you know, this was back in 2015, 16 or so. Um, and so we were excited, going to the meetings, and as we, the meetings dwindled down and they started putting these things in place we realized that those things were not true. And eventually, it, what we saw, the revitalization actually was gentrification. The programs they offered, it made it hard for the Black community or even immigrant community and disenfranch- disenfranchised folks to be able to apply for those programs, to afford those programs. Um, and the gentrification just went went. Just started to go escalate like like it was a madness, and that's when we saw the story on the I want to say it was the New York Times, and then the then mayor then, Matt um, Fall was like, you know, it was shocking to others. Like, no, it shouldn't be shocking that it's a five hundred thousand dollars, a half a million dollar home in a place where a hundred and twenty thousand dollar home was that was of a black family. And then we started asking, where did these black families go? And still to this day, we don't know. The city has not given us proper information. We have asked the city manager, the past city manager, the current city manager for this information because by law, according to HUD, they supposed to keep up with um, moving, um, um, these families out, or giving them funding to move out if they can no longer afford to be there, or if they're being um moved out because of um the cities coming in to gentrify. So, gentrification. Um, some people, you know, think that oh, well, you know, it's good for the community. Which community? That that is what we ask. And when we say um, 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 Raleigh is providing affordable housing, affordable for who? And the current mayor we have, um, she says, you know, she has this thing about housing choice. Well, the city is currently in a housing crisis. Um, there are housing encampments near me where people sleep outside on the ground. People are sleeping downtown on the sidewalk on park benches. If they get caught, they go to jail, they receive a citation, a ticket. I think that would be another great story. Um, but at another time, but, um, um, we're at a major crisis. Um, we're on the net, we're the net Charlotte, the overflow with tents soon downtown. And mm-hmm. um, that's not a choice. How can we have housing choice? No one chooses to be homeless, no one chooses to sleep in a tent. And so we don't have housing choice. What we have is housing privilege here in the city of Raleigh. So there's gentrification and housing privilege, and in, and there, what, and that those things happen because we lack equity, um, and economic mobility in the Black community, in the Latinx community, in the immigrant community, and the disenfranchised and marginalized populations. We see, there was a story that NO just recently put out about the LGBTQ community, especially the trans community, is having issues, major issues, finding homes. So let me say, finding homes in safe places. So therefore, Habitat Humanity now is stepping in. Part of these, um, I would say, a major issue, um, why things are not done on time why why people it takes so long for things to get going and meanwhile people being harmed um, and put in harm's way it's because many of these private organizations the city and county refuses refuses to listen to their taxpayers which essentially we're their boss, you know, uh, refuses to listen to us, the people who provide the funding to them. Um, They don't listen to us. So it's intentional. Um, A lot of people might think that it's not or it can't be avoided. Um, The gentrification that has happened in Southeast Raleigh, there is a 10-year plan You can go back, downtown Raleigh Alliance was part of the plan and um, the Raleigh Chamber of Commerce. There are businesses, small businesses that don't realize um, some of these small business owners may have been gentrified themselves or that may have been uh, moved, um, pushed out, forced out um, to another area. Some of these small business owners um, may have been affected. They may be even members of the Raleigh Chamber of Commerce, um, but they don't realize that the Raleigh Chamber of Commerce plays a very large role in the gentrification and in the um, in the disparities of the Black and Latinas and the um, communities um, that are being disenfranchised and and marginalized. So um, again, I think people, some people know and some people just don't want to know what's going on, but all of it is definitely intentional. They have meetings, there's black and white paperwork to prove it, documentation. Um, sometimes we have to ask for a FOIA to get this information. And many times the city deny us the information or it takes a whole year when the rezoning or redevelopment or whatever we're fighting is over, that's when we might get the documentation from downtown Raleigh Alliance or whomever we're asking because they know that, um, you know, it's intentional. We've had previous um, city officials tell us that we're part of the meetings. They had to go because they were city officials, not because they, Uh, approve of this mess and so they told us about these things, there were people that were on these boards who told us about these conversations and plans, so we know that it's intentional and um, we just would like um, the younger generation to be aware, I think you all are starting to see it, people uh, near NC State, there isn't any so-called quote Unquote affordable housing, or how do you say it? Quote affordable, unquote affordable housing, and on uh, near NC State, like it used to be. When I first came to Raleigh, there was a place you could go and get a room for $35 a week um, at, near NC State. Even all the schools near Shaw, near Peace, near Meredith, Meth, uh, well, that method or method, it's not there anymore. But um, well, method is there, but Meredith near over there, Meredith College or University. I apologize. Um, you could do that then, not now. Um, and so um, the students um, if, uh, please be more aware and understanding that Downtown Alliance still reaches into um, on Hillsborough Street. There's an alliance there. Um, There's an alliance on Glenwood. There's Shaw is trying to become part of that alliance. In fact, Dr. Dillard is the vice chair of the Downtown Raleigh Alliance. So you see how all of this is starting to play a role. They want to be known as the Shaw District, just like there's the Glenwood District. There's the um, 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 Hillsborough District. There's all these different areas. dc's i think that's what you call it municipal districts and um with those districts there's funding that those districts keep so again it's about the money but yet it causes disparities to the disenfranchised the marginalized and that includes college students as well
0: yeah i just um got a new place i'm renting and even talking with the last tenants you can kind of see um, how the rent where the rent is moving towards so we talked about city council a little bit i wanted to ask i noticed the date on this vote has been moved back a few times yes yes
1: now those dates moving back a uh, um, few times i definitely as an organizer who's been in this work for over 15 years as an organizer um that was the that's the title Before, um, I didn't even know we had titles, so I just was doing the work. But as an organizer, um, I consider those things as wins. The previous city council that we had before, that would have never happened. I would say the previous three, four, maybe all the city councils, because I've been following the city councils for a very long time and going to those meetings, um, and I I don't see the, the, the way this has been pushed back and, and the way that these new four city councilors, which are Mary Black, Christina Jones, Jane Harrison, and Megan Patton have been very, very interested in what the community, the voters have to say. Not just the developers, but the community. And uh, that's why I feel it has been pushed back because the community is often denied opportunity in many of these spaces when it comes to development. And also um, the Muslims um, really stood up for themselves and turned out at these meetings and and wanted to have a voice. Now, the voices were denied at city council. Because um, there it you only have eight minutes per side to talk about your case, um, to say a yes you're for the rezoning or no for your for the rezoning. Now that's usually okay. Maybe when it's a small rezoning case that's going to um, impact a um a small community, small neighborhood, or um just a few houses or such but this is going to impact various communities and a one of north carolina's well North actually north carolina's oldest hbcu the state of north carolina oldest hbcu which is Shaw university it was it's, it's going it's going to impact the muslim community it's going to impact Prince Hall, which is a very in uh, South Park, which are older black communities um, in um, Southeast Raleigh. Um, it's gonna impact Southeast Raleigh. It's gonna impact, impact um, the New Bern, um, New Bern BRT. It will impact the Western BRT, which are federal programs, state programs, as far as funding. It will impact um, so many um, other businesses downtown. Um, And so they were expecting to go in there and just meet in eight minutes. We give a, a while we're against it in eight minutes. And they say they're okay with it in eight minutes. And in the past, that has worked for them. Even something as big as downtown South. Um, um, or um other cases, we've had a few other cases as large, but they did give downtown staff their own special meeting that involved John Kane. We wanted the same thing for this, where everyone would have an opportunity to speak. We were denied that. So people still came. It made historical history for the first time in the city of Raleigh. There were people. On the third floor, there were people. Um, outside, there were people on the second floor in the um what they call the waiting area, and there were um people also inside the um auditorium area. It was also during Ramadan. We, the Wake County Housing Justice Coalition, had already um gone through holding the city accountable. Um with having rezoning or redevelopment um, request meetings during Ramadan that would impact the Muslim community. We last year, that same time when there was the original meeting, they tried to do the same thing with the Western BRT, hold a meeting, um, a planning meeting, a rezoning case, should I say rezoning case during Ramadan over near the Western BRT. Well, we all know, um, one of the largest mosques is near the Western BRT. So why would you do it during Ramadan? Um, so they did move the date. They did change the date to, um, until after, um, Ramadan for that BRT, Western BRT planning, uh, rezoning um, hearing. Um, and actually, which is sad to say, the planning department does have someone um, um, who is Muslim in their department. So they know where Ramadan is. They just don't care. Well, so we came back again this year with someone um, with the case and we asked them to push it back. We, Wake County Housing Justice Coalition, um and um other organizations asked for them to um the city to reschedule um, the um planning um hearing around Shaw until after the uh, after Ramadan we but we had to have a plan B as well because we can't trust them um and while they were deciding we was um we also had our Muslim friends um, asking people to show up asking people to show up at the um planning hearing around um the Shah redevelopment and meanwhile we're sending out messages please to um the city council and to the planning department please reschedule it mm-hmm. they refused to reschedule it they had it anyway and again we made history and um people showed up it was packed um they had the overflow room was packed and then they had the third floor and they also served um, the meal after, um, prayer, they took time for prayer. Um, the city council had a break and during the break, they went to pray, um, and they ate and then came back. And again, that was historical, it should not have had been that have to have happened like that. It should have been something that families should have been able to enjoy and um um and sit sitting in at their in their own homes with their families or in their own personal space, not at a governmental building that um, bounds and make decisions uh, to hold people back. Um, but we again we made history.
0: I read on CBS 17 that it was 140 people.
1: Yes, you're right. 140 people showed up to sign up to speak. But over 300 people showed up now. 140 people signed up to speak. Over 300 people showed up. And that's why they had to have the overflow room and then the third floor as well to accommodate the prayer people for people to pray and for people to eat as well. And, um, it was amazing. Now to prevent that from happening again, they have rescheduled this June 20th meeting for during the daytime at one o'clock, the city council meeting while people are working instead of 7. P.m. We see this happen often during a big case such as this. There have been other cases that have, um, that have um, have been um controversial. We've seen the cases, um, get that should be in the evening where more people, um, can come out. Get pushed, get rescheduled somehow. The city manager and her department um, reschedules it at the urging of um, particular city councilors during the daytime, and or at or at the mayor's request during the daytime. And we all we all know, and they all know that the um, number of people that come out during the day. Is nothing like at night. So they do not want um, the same amount of people to come out. They do not want the same attendance. They do not want the same controversy. They, they, they do not want to be seen as bigots. They do not want to be seen as um, racist. So, um, man, be held accountable by the Muslim community. So on June 20th, that is when... Um, as many people that can come, um, you know, that's what will happen. Meanwhile, there are other actions and other things that are going on to to make people aware exactly how this will impact, not just the Muslim community, Black community, but we want our white allies, we want the white people, and we want other races to know how this is impacting them because... (laughs) Eventually, what has happened? Hayes Barton recently, which has been a controversial case. What has happened? We have seen the city now go after our white allies and other and white com, white communities, white neighborhoods, and so that is why we definitely want just more than the impact folks um around the Shaw redevelopment such as the muslims um um in the black community we need the latinas community involved because they have already gone after the latinas community um de- um where they um live their, their housing developments or neighborhoods, which were near downtown South, have already been torn down. It was a large rental neighborhood that they lived near Sam's Club has been torn down. Uh, rent was uh, affordable. Um, and then they put up housing that starts at $400,000, um, which they can't afford. We're not sure where those people are. Again, that is something that the city supposed to keep up with. Um, but we now we want the white community and Latinx communities and others to get involved with all these cases because, you know, there's some famous quote um, by, I don't know if it's biblical or a famous person that said it, that, you know, once they finish with us, meaning y'all um, or whatever group that you're working with, once they finish with um, us, they're going to come for you. <laughs> And that's exactly what they have done. They have already um, destroyed um, various sectors in Raleigh um, of the Latinos community neighborhoods where they had rental, where they had housing that they could afford off of South Saunders Street, off of South Wilmington street, you um, uh, off of Peach Road, um and built housing that um, um that started four hundred thousand dollars. We, um, Wake County Housing Justice Coalition, tried to get involved with that the best we could, but one of our other partners that had um, folks that could speak Spanish um, 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 better than us and had more people that um, could reach out on the ground um, got involved, but we did have a few cases on that as well. Um, And now... One of our ally um, organizations, and I'm also a member of, like I said, Relivable Raleigh. But, you know, um, the city also, they targeted Hayes Barton. Hayes Barton is a fairly wealthy community, probably one of the wealthiest in Raleigh. However, that did not stop the developers and the city from targeting them. Because even though Hayes Barton is wealthy, how wealthy white folks out there, They're not wealthier than these developers, these millionaire developers like a John Cain and others. Um, So they may seem wealthy to some, but to these developers, they still mean nothing. Their families mean nothing. Their lives mean nothing. So we got involved with County Housing Justice Coalition. We most definitely got involved with um, Hayes Barton. to help save that community. Um, and that was also during the elections. And they most definitely got involved with us and they supported the same four new city councilors that in there because it's not all, like I said, it's not always about money. Money can't save everything and money doesn't protect you from everything. Money will not... Um, keep your uh, building uh, a a large building from falling down and money will not keep the city from tearing down your building either so what it's really about is community and standing together and protecting those things that we find um, valuable and we find important everyone needs a shelter housing is a human right and that should be a choice but it's not it's a privilege here in Raleigh to have housing. So we stood with Hayes Barton. We would like Hayes Barton to stand with us in everything. And so far they have. Um, and we're grateful for organizations like them. And so uh, the city is starting to see. Now they are going after Grosner, um off of um, Hillsborough near Hillsboro. And it's not a city. It's a nonprofit organization. CASA. Who, if you look at their mission statement, they're said they're about affordable housing and saving affordable housing. But we've had several people reach out to us to to want to help them organize, which we did. We gave them pointers. But for us, we want the people to do it. We want to stand behind the people, not like, you know, in front and um, that they have rights and we are all about tenant rights. The rent went up three times, and eventually it went up to $1,400, and many of them on fixed incomes, and that would not pay the rent with that fixed income at all. Um, And as I said, a nonprofit, CASA, um, now owns that um, property, but CASA also, again, received tax money, grant money from the city of Raleigh. Uh, one of those community development funds. So just because you get community development funds or any other type of grants from the city, state, federal um, grants, um, that does not prevent them from gentrifying. That does not prevent them from putting, pushing, forcing you out of your home. That does not prevent the rent from being um very expensive they may say affordable but it's not affordable it may be affordable to them but it's not affordable to us
0: yes i believe that uh quote you mentioned was the poem from uh nazi germany when they were like like at first i didn't speak out because it wasn't impacting me but then of course it is eventually going to impact all of us
1: exactly Exactly, and that then so with the city of Raleigh, um, there. I know. Like to say this: there are people who work for the city of Raleigh who cannot afford to live in the city of Raleigh, which makes no sense. There are people who have lost their housing. Um, who works for the city of Raleigh, but because they work for the city of Raleigh, they can't come out and say these things, um, because of, you know, who they work for. But I know because we have helped them, um, that, 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 you know, that's, that's, that's a disgrace. Um, some just recently got a raise, City workers just recently got a raise to be able to afford to stay somewhere, but still not necessarily the city of Raleigh. And we're talking like 911 operators, um, communications and um, people at the lower spectrum um, um, workers more so than a managers, you know, those who make over 100,000 hundred thousand six figures. And it's still hard to stay here if you have a family making six figures. So the city's not even concerned about um, their own people who live here, if they can afford to stay here. By choosing to let the gentrification sprawl, yeah. they can choose to build more low-income housing. They can choose t- to build public housing because they used to. The city used to build public housing: chavis Heights, Walnut Terrace, and such. The um Raleigh Housing Authority as well, and they used to build thirty percent and below housing. So, if they really wanted to fix the problem, there are lots of solutions that they can choose and where people can truly have a housing choice but those options don't make money those options um, maybe will not um, um, you will not become a millionaire or maybe be seen or featured in one of those um, magazines um, and make you a high profile member at the capital club or something but th- there there are ways to house people um at a f- where they can afford to stay there
0: yeah how many votes do you you or shaw need for the proposal to pass
1: shaw needs four people to stop it we don't want it to pass we want the mm-hmm. redevelopment to end. What we have been asking for from Dr. Dilla is the master plan. Again, if they had presented a master plan to us that would benefit the, the community, oh my gosh, we, I would be oh so happy. Um, as you mentioned before, Shaw is home of snick. Shaw is home of so many um, freedom. Um, programs, reading, writing opportunities, um, um, liberation opportunities for students for the community, um, from Ella Baker, who I, I I adore Ella Baker work and and Fannie Lou Hammer, Those are the two I follow. And I look at the work as black women and the struggles they went to and the things they created. Ella Baker came out of shock. Ella Baker gave them the blueprint on how to survive and how to still be here and still, um, um, showing, um, Raleigh, how to, how, how to, um, take care of humankind and, uh, and from Ella Baker work, Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., used Ella Baker's work. Um, and um, so did um, um, Mr. Randolph. Many, many, many other famous people adored Ella Baker and um, used her work and her thoughts and her ideals to transform their communities And Shaw still can. Shaw still has some amazing professors still on staff, um, which I know of some of them, but they have, instead of giving, making sure they have the opportunity and the funding um, to, to create a new ecosystem for Shaw, a new ecosystem for the black community that's not what's happening um they're being um uh suppressed oppressed and silenced um so that this um this this ideal of a new show that that doesn't represent um hbcu or or what uh, uh ella baker and snick um the pathway the pathway that they built for y'all it doesn't represent any of that so what we need is a vote of four four to lock it to deadlock it um i doubt corey branch who has been calling people his um, um his um followers um called them to send in letters to say, Hey, yeah, we want the show development. We want the show. We want it. When they've been silent this whole time and all of a sudden this past three weeks they can write a letter when we have not heard from them before. Um and um So, and then I'm not sure, I don't think Stormy Fort would say yes, and Jonathan Melton either. They're too vested. They're too vested. Jonathan Melton lives in the Black community. Um, He gentrified the Black community. So he's vested in a way where um, he relied on a lot of them for votes to barely win this time and so did um, Mary Ann Baldwin so they need these black churches and others who they have um, who feel like if Shaw is redeveloped they will be able to prosper but they're going to prosper with pennies and and um, um, pennies don't get you into heaven um, meanwhile the developers will be prospering with millions, but in, in many of the these black churches and 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 these um black status quos that they reached out to um feel like they're going to benefit not the community but them, you know their selfish selves will benefit um uh, with pennies, which is you know a lot for them, so um those four we do not see they have always been behind this show redevelopment um and so these new four who who are not attached to the black status quo and the fact the black status quo did not vote them in um did not care for them at all um but the younger generations and the um people who who care about um their homes and keeping their homes and um generational wealth and um black um, um black land and um, um pro pro blackness and pro LGBT and um You know, those type of wonderful people, pro-immigrant, pro-Muslim, all the great pros out there. Um, Those are the people who voted these new four city council people in. And if those four vote no, please tell Dr. Dillard and their lawyers to go back, look at this, and bring us back the master plan in like so many years since they don't have it. They claim they can't afford it but we know that they have it either way um bring it back and this time have a real true community engagement um that's led by the community not vested stakeholders such as um ex-senator um yvonne holly or ex or 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 um a Consulting company that's associated with Howard was leading the um consult leading the uh, community engagement. We want to be involved in community engagement with people we know. We have people here in Raleigh who can facilitate, moderate, um, engage those community engagements, and we trust those people. Those people shall bought in to lead those things. We don't trust. So, um, and a lot of times those community engagements meetings did not get out to the broad, the broad um, population of, of Raleigh. So we want them to vote no, bring back the master plan. And just like NC State did, I did some research and NC State on the on the campus that's over off of um, Avon Ferry, that campus i can't think of the name of it right now it's a beautiful wonderful campus what is that
0: centennial campus
1: centennial yes before centennial broke ground they presented the master plan to the community i saw the master plan online i saw the community engagement process that they went through I saw where they put the signs out in the community uh, about the community meetings that were coming up. It was for students, it was for the Muslim and immigrant um, business owners in the area, it was for the black business owners, it was for the um, um, um families that owned the daycares in the area it was for all and it was extensive and then afterwards there was notes that were left online of what they discussed um cuz um i didn't find any videos but the notes were sufficient on what they discussed that is what we're asking of Shaw there's a in a great example out there of what nc state did because they're always comparing themselves to nc state or wanting to be like nc state which doesn't really make any sense because nc state is not a hbcu and many of the businesses that are vested um or su- surrounded by um, nc state are not on nc state property their own private property not like on the campus some are but many aren't um that's a great, great example on what Centennial did, their master plan. And that's exactly what we want. We want to be involved to say, hey, instead of bringing in a Publix, why not bring in a grocery store like a Fertile Ground, a co-op grocery store where the community owns the grocery store, the students get to work at the grocery store, and it's all healthy food. The community benefits, it's, it's, it's at a... Um, a salary that where the students can afford to pay rent. And on top of that, then put, um, put housing co-op housing on top of those on top of for the ground. And then where there's an opportunity for co-op businesses by the students. Those are the things we're asking for. Never ever have we ever been able to be at a table with show with an, and talk about those things and say, yes, um, these are the things we're going to put in the master plan. Right now, they want to use the master plan as a hide-and-go-seek. And that's not fair to us because we are the taxpayers. And they are going to ask for funding from us. So if they're going to ask for funding from us, if we, we're just like the bank. You have to show the bank what you're going to do. So you should have to show us what you're going to do.
0: All right, thank you so much for joining me today, Wanda, and I wish oh, you you're luck Welcome on, yes, at the yes. June twentieth council meeting, which yes. is at one p
1: m-hmm yes.
0: And yes. is there anything else you'd like to add or promote to our listeners?
1: Sure. Well, we're going to manifest this into existence because this is something our community needs. Not only does our community need this win, the city needs this win, and the state of North Carolina needs this win. Because what we want people to realize is that, you know, there are things um, they may look at TV or hear about things that are happening in Florida, and it looks like they're anti-democratic, and it suppresses free speech. And um, it's anti-immigrant and anti-black and anti-woke and all those things you hear about Florida, Texas. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I would never want to live there. You hear about um, 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 people moving from those areas because it's becoming so oppressive, more oppressive than than, um, disenfranchised and marginalized communities can stand. What I want people to understand and realize that many of those things... Not only are they trying in state government here in the state of North Carolina at the legislative, but it is already, already happening at your local city municipal um, um, government with this city council. We're grateful to have a new. City Council before new members. We tried to, you know, change the whole landscape with a new mayor and all of that, but we weren't able to. But before that, there was another city council which was so they suppressed our um voices, and the current mayor is still trying to suppress us. Um not giving us opportunity to speak or limited the time we speak or what we can speak on. What I want people to be aware when you look at TV and say, Oh my God, look at Florida. Oh my goodness. Look at Texas. Oh, look at what North Carolina, the North Carolina uh, legislation is doing. Please note that it is happening in the city of Raleigh at your local municipal Um, When you pay taxes for local mills in Raleigh and local hotels, those taxes are being used um, to help pay for other things instead of helping people get low-income housing, helping people get public housing, helping people to have housing um, that need housing the most. That's where your taxes should be going. But because our voices are being suppressed and because we need more power, we need people to be aware of what's going on at city council, it's not happening. So what I would like from this, hearing all this, of course, you all can always reach out to us as well, Wake County Housing Justice Coalition, North Carolina Housing Justice for Black and Disenfranchised Lives, but also... Pay attention to the votes. Pay attention to what your mayor is saying. Pay attention to what's not being said. Pay attention to how the city manager and department, what they're doing with the budget, where the money is actually going, your tax money. Please be aware. And please don't feel like, um, just Just please know that what's happening in florida i'm gonna say it again because i don't think people are putting realize it's the same you know it's synonymous what's happening there the oppression suppression in florida with that governor and in Texas with that governor um even though our governor may not be doing it you know things are happening in the legislation led at the legislative building but those those oppressions and suppressions or or being held up by uh, certain city council members we have, and it's definitely being held up by our current mayor, Marianne Baldwin. And uh, we want you to be aware of that. And if you don't like it, come help. Come, come you know, come and see. Come to a city council meeting. And if you can't come, guess what? Is that you can go on YouTube and see it from your home while you're cooking or while you're taking care of your kids. But please pay attention of exactly what's going on with your tax money. So thank you. And I look forward to this again. This has been great.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you all for listening to this episode of Eye on the Triangle, WKNC 88.1 FM HD1 Raleigh's public affairs program. You just heard our interview with Wanda Gilbert Coker, a local community activist from the Wake County Housing Justice Coalition. You can listen back to this episode on wknc.org slash podcasts. And the full redevelopment plan for Shaw University will be linked in the podcast description. Additionally, for those in Raleigh and interested in learning more about your own rights as tenants, the Triangle Tenant Union will be having a Know Your Rights workshop session on Sunday, June 25th, at 2 p.m., right here at NC State in the Tally Student Union, room 3222. Music for this episode is titled Noah's Stark and was made available by the artist Krakatoa through a Creative Commons license. Check wknc.org schedule to catch the next episode of Eye on the Triangle live. I'll see you next time.